wanting to look at First Peter chapter one verses ten to twelve, and looking at um, the message of the Old Testament prophets. And uh, I know when I was first a young Christian, one of the things that absolutely thrilled me as I um, found out about God's love to find out also that the things I'd come to believe had been um, predicted hundreds and hundreds of years beforehand by the prophets and um, it's a should be a source of great joy and that's what we're wanting to do nothing to do from a response to our message today other than to rejoice in the wonders of God's faithfulness let's read we'll read from six just to give a bit of context In this coming salvation you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory and honour when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come searched intently and with the greatest care, trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you when they spoke of the things that have now been told you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Even angels long to look into these things. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just come to your word at this time. We pray that you would open it to us that it would thrill our hearts and excite us, that we would find overflowing joy. We pray that you would speak to us. We open our ears to you, Lord. We ask that you would help us to be careful and intent listeners, students of your word, that we might benefit from it. For Jesus' sake we pray. Amen. Um, in this uh, passage, Paul, Paul has been speaking about um, how as a result of being born again, receiving God's salvation, the Spirit of God coming and, and um, causing a, us to start a new life, to Jesus' Spirit coming and, and starting a life and giving us salvation, making us his children, that as a result of his wonderful salvation, we should rejoice with inexperience inexpressible joy and inexpressible and glorious joy have you got that inexpressible and glorious joy we should have when we focus in on the wonders of our salvation we should have that there should be this uh, this joy constantly bubbling up and as we look into our salvation and as we contemplate and as we we ground our thinking clearly in that it brings a a and a joy which um, ignites our spirit and 
What Peter does in this passage is, having mentioned the joy, looking back to our new birth and how we've come to know Jesus and his salvation, he then mentions that one of the reasons why we can have this great joy is because it was a message from the prophets. And so we want to have a look at three things as to why we can rejoice in the prophets. Okay, so that's what we want to have a look at, just three ideas. The first thing that Peter mentions is, is that one of the reasons that as we look and contemplate the message of the, of the Old Testament prophets, which is a large part of the, of the Old Testament and a difficult part of the Old Testament for us, is, is that the, the Old Testament prophets spoke of God's eternal salvation plan. In, right in the very beginning in First Peter, Peter mentions the three major themes he's going to deal with. And one of those is this, is that as Christians, we have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God. Now, often this idea of the foreknowledge of God descends into a sort of a Calvinistic way of thinking, if you're familiar with that. But Peter's emphasis is not on that Calvinistic idea. What he's is, what is thinking is, is this, is that God has got a great eternal plan of history. History is not just an, a random lot of un, unplanned uh, accidental events. Your life is not just a random lot of accidental events. God has an overall plan for history from beginning to end and you have a part in that plan for history. And God who sits out of time and he, he, as scripture says, he inhabits eternity. He knew, he knows the beginning and the end and he's planned history and that history has a wonderful purpose about it. And that that purpose is, um, is to see Jesus Christ as Lord over a redeemed creation. That's his great eternal plan of life. Now, a lot of people go, oh, there's no, there's no purpose, there's no meaning in life. Well, Scripture says there is tremendous meaning and that you can have a part. Now, the unfortunate thing of the prophets is this, is that for a lot of people, what they do is their life will be, a, in the end, they will, they will regret that they did not embrace God's plan. But Peter is addressing us who have come to Christ that when we come to Christ, we should be excited and joyful that we have fitted in with the purpose of history. And um, the reason we know that is because what has happened to us in the death and resurrection of Jesus, in his suffering and his resurrection, um, is was prophesied by these Old Testament prophets to show that God was in control. And so, um, as Peter says, there is a salvation plan, a grace plan. Now, one of the strange reasons 
that people disbelieve in God is because they think, well, I've looked at life and life stinks sometimes. Yeah, you go through a difficult life and then you die. How bad's that? But the message of the scripture is, is that this creation of God was fallen and that God has now a, a plan to show his redeeming grace to undeserved sinners. That's his plan. And so uh, it's not people who say, well, I'm rejecting God because of the trouble in the world. The whole message of the scripture and God is, I am, I am seeking to save that which is lost. And so um, to show that, he, he sent prophets who predicted what was going to happen in Jesus' death on the cross and his resurrection before it happened. And that should bring exceeding great joy to us now I, I remember and I don't know I, I get I just get amazed somehow sometimes how some people seem to be able to go through life with no concept of looking for me they can just be in a sense entertained by trinkets now I like some of the trinkets but uh, certainly in my in my thinking I say well there's got to be a plan and purpose to this Life has, has got to have meaning. I can't just exist and then, boom, it's, I die and that's the end of it. I can't see this, this world as it is and, and imagine that there is no purpose and direction. But for many people who reject God, that is where they stand. And I don't know how they live like it. But I know when I first became a Christian, one of the, one of the amazing joys I had was to find out that the prophets had predicted Jesus I still get absolutely flabbergasted and as I was preparing this message I'm I'm thinking well how can I communicate that and the answer is I can't I can't there's just too much there but prophets you're just just trying to plumb the depths of Isaiah's wonderful prophecies it's just we can't do that in 30 minutes but what I'm saying to you is, is you need to know that you can rejoice because the message of salvation was revealed by the prophets so that we can be absolutely sure that God's got a plan and this plan was in Jesus and his plan in Jesus was to save those who would respond like yourself. And if you have responded to the gospel, if you have put your faith in Jesus and he has become central in your life, then you are right smack in the middle of his plans and purposes for this age. And that should bring a, a tremendous joy in your life. Now, um, our world is strange. We live in COVID aside the most prosperous, blessed period of history ever. Okay? But we have a, a pandemic, far worse than COVID, of depression in the Western world. If I can be frank, we've got a pandemic of obesity and depression. We've got too much stuff, we've got too much food, and yet we're miserable. And the reason is, is because when we, when we focus in and we seek to find meaning and purpose in ourselves, we end up feeling miserable. 
Now, that's not the only reason for depression, but it's a major reason. When people lose sight of God's big plan and they try to fill themselves and their life up with just themselves, it is soul-destroying, not soul-building. So we live in in an I generation. It's my life. Listen to your heart. It's it's about finding my identity. I will be what I define myself to be. I'll have my dreams. But all of those usually end up to becoming my nightmare. And I'm thinking of the song for Les Miserables. You know, I had a dream. And in the end, it, it all turned. And in that song, if you listen carefully, she, it, she goes off forgetting about God's standards for morality. She go, goes into a relationship with Guy. doesn't quite fit the movie exactly, really, because it's a bit worse than that. But she goes into that and she said, I had a dream, but it, it was crushed and left me broken and in ashes. And so um, Bon Jovi's words in the song sound really good. It's a good song. You know that song? It's, it's my, I can't even get it now. It's my life. It's now or, now or never, but I ain't going to live forever. I just want to live while I'm alive. It's my life. My heart is like an open highway. Like Frankie said, I did it my way. That's um, Frank Sinatra, incidentally. Like Frankie said, I did it my way. I just want to, to live while I'm alive. It's my life um, I listened to um, Nicky Gumbel um, one Bible in one year it's really really good I encourage you to use it if you're not doing a daily reading it's about 20 minutes or you can do a 10 minute version but in, in my reading this week um, he introduced one of his devotions with the fact that in um, England at the present time the most requested song at funerals is Frankie's song. I did it my way. wonder why there's so much depression in this world. Because we want to fill our life with ourselves. God is interested in us. He holds us in with a tremendous value. But we find our meaning and purpose in a bigger plan. A plan that involves him. We are designed to reflect God's nature and we are designed to live for him. And the soul which will not do that becomes a ruined soul. And the soul that does live for him, that fits into his plan, becomes a soul which can... It's like a big ship um, on little waves. We're part of a God's great plan and, and it doesn't matter if little troubles, little problems, they're all just part of God's great plan that we would share in the glory of Jesus, going through his sufferings, sharing in his sufferings that we might also share in his glory. So that's um, the first thing that Peter wants us to rejoice in. It's, in it, it is a, um, the prophet spoke of God's eternal salvation plan and that we as Christians, who are people who put our faith in Jesus, can rejoice because we're a part of the, the winning side in that great plan. Now, the second point is this, is that um, the prophet's um, carefully spoken, inspired message. Now, Peter describes how the prophets um, of old, they, 
They searched carefully and intently. He says there, they searched. Now, what did they search? Now, they weren't searching their own mind for ideas of what the future might have. They weren't like the clairvoyants who were trying to make up stories. Okay, the first thing is the reason he says they search carefully and and intently and carefully. The reason he says that is because what they did was they they based their thoughts and their prophecies on what God had already done and revealed. Now, put it very simply as I can, what they did is they knew the books of Moses. They knew Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers and Deuteronomy. They knew those and they studied them carefully. And so they knew about God's plan of creation. They knew about the fall. And then they knew about God choosing um, the Abraham and his descendants to form a nation of Israel through whom he was going to to bring a saviour. And then they also knew that God had redeemed this nation, Israel, um, out of Egypt and he, would, he had entered into a covenant with them to be their God and, to, and for them to be his people. And that God had said, look, if you're faithful, I'm going to bless you and if you're unfaithful, I'm going to punish you. And so when the prophets spoke, they spoke in the context of that history and so they, they looked at the present time at Israel and said, well, hey, what are you guys doing? Well, God's doing this and um, you guys agreed to be his people and at the moment you're worshipping false idols so it's not going to go well with you because God said he's going to punish you but God has also promised that he's going to send a saviour. You're part of that plan and God will continue your plan even, then, even though you are um, destined for judgment and so that's what the prophets were doing they searched the scriptures and they knew that and they were careful and they based their predictions on that now a lot of false prophets it's about um it's about oh right I'm just going to think what comes into my head and my emotions but prophecy even today in new testament prophecy must always be based on the things which god has already done you know it's always based on the scriptures we have and the prophets there had some scriptures they then added to it and then um now we've got them and we've got the gospels and now we've got those and we if we're prophesy we add we've got a whole lot more that we work from now the second point about this is there was the what we call the objective basis of what they wrote, which is the scriptures, what God had done in the past, what he had said. But they also spoke because the spirit of Christ was in them. Now, if you read Peter, Peter's verses here carefully, what, you, what, he, what he notes is this, is that the people who preached the gospel to the people he's writing to were empowered by the Holy Spirit. They had received the Holy Spirit into their heart and this same spirit who inspired, who led the preachers as they share the gospel, who came into the hearts of those who believed had been in the prophets and had guided them so that as they're giving their prophecies, as they're speaking God's word to the generation, he, the spirit of God guided them to say, look, God will continue his plan. He will continue his purposes which are focused entirely on Jesus. And so 
Peter says that um, there was an inspired message based on God's past revelation, which they were searching of the scriptures, but it was also based on a personal interaction between themselves and the Holy Spirit who had come in. Now, in the New Testament, we see that spirit is available to everyone. But in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit was given um, particularly to the prophets, but now available to all people. But I don't want to go into that too much now. The third thing about on, on this second point is, is that um, Peter says that... Um, they searched intently with greatest care. And I just want to make this point here. And that is, is that um, the, the prophets were not people pleasers. They weren't optimists or pessimists. They were people who were very, very, very careful with the truth. And that's difficult. If you read some of the prophets, you go, this is really hard because their, their um, prophecies are always rooted in, in history. They have, there's just hundreds and hundreds of names and to understand some of what they said to their generation, you've got to understand just tons of history. And that makes some bits really hard. And I understand that. But the reason for that is they searched intently with greatest care. They were looking at the, at the way the nations were about. When they spoke to the nations, they were building, they were basing their um, pronouncements on truth. They weren't just going to say, oh, right, this will make you feel really good, or I'm really angry with you and I'm going to say what I feel. So it wasn't just this impersonal invective or, or happy thoughts to make you feel better. They were very, very intent on speaking truth. Now, that is the way scripture is. Scripture does not um, tickle our ears to say nice things. God is not interested so much in our feelings, whether, oh, right, well, what he says to us, it might hurt our feelings. Now, that's the world we live in, isn't it? We can't say anything that might hurt somebody's feelings. The prophets hurt so many people's feelings that most of them died. In other words, people killed them. Okay? Isaiah was was chucked in a hollow log and sawn in two. Because he told the truth. Now, the point Peter's making is this, is, is for us, when we go, it says, hey, these guys, they weren't about spinning fancy things. And people imagine that the Christian message, oh, it sounds too good to be true. Oh, you're just wishful thinking. No, the truth of Scripture, what the prophets wrote, was, was truth, and it was often hard-hitting, difficult truth. But these people who wrote were, were focused on saying that which was true, not that which uh, the audience wanted to hear. And that's, that's incredibly encouraging, isn't it? I just, I just get so discouraged nowadays. Is we live in a world where we don't want to hear the truth. We want to hear what tickles our ears. Oh, well, don't say anything that might offend me. When often what we need is something that we need to be offended. We need, we need the truth told to us. And that's just... Um, uh, one of the great joys of Scripture is God speaks... And when he speaks through his, he, through his prophets, he tells it like it is. 
And it's really good. We have to pussyfoot around with people, but God's prophets, they just go, boom. That's why it's scriptures, pastors, we like to quote the Bible. So it's not me, it's, it's, it's them. <laughs> and they've already died. <laughs> so um, I find great joy in that, the, and so should you. And the final point is um, the prophets knowingly spoke for our benefits. Now, um, I'll just have a look at that in Isaiah 52, 6 to 10. This is what Isaiah wrote. Therefore my people will know my name. Therefore in that day, so it's looking forward, they will know that it is I who foretold it. Yes, it is I. And then he goes on and says, How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, Your God reigns. Listen, your watchmen, lift up your, your voices their voices together they will shout for joy when the lord returns to zion they will see it with their own eyes burst into songs of joy together your ruin you ruins of jerusalem for the lord has commanded his people he has redeemed jerusalem the lord will lay bare his holy arm in the sight of the nations and all the ends of the earth will see the salvation of god so so what Isaiah is saying here is he's speaking to his present generation and saying, hey, you guys are going to get judged because you've been unfaithful to God. But in the future, God is going to come and he's going to reveal his mighty salvation. And where does Isaiah go from there? He goes from there as who has believed our report? To whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? And he talks and, and describes, in, it sounds like it's a, a literal, a description of past events, he describes the death and suffering of Jesus on the cross for us. And so he says, look, I'm telling you beforehand, I'm telling you so that when it happens, you will know that this was my plan. This was my purpose. And I'm telling you that so that you can be full of confidence and full of joy as a result. Now, if you read the prophets, and I'm, this is a bit of a heads up for you because you might go, oh, Russell spoke about the prophets, I'm going to read some of them. And then you'll go in and you'll find that much of what they wrote in their own times was hard. A lot of it was not good news. But what Peter is saying is, is as they were delivering that message to their people, they knew that the people who they were preaching to were not, not liking what they're hearing. They're not wanting to listen. They were just putting their ears, their, their fingers in their ears and refusing to listen. But they wrote what they, what they spoke so that it would be available to us to read. And we can say, poor old Zyre got sawn in half in a lock. But he made sure that what he said he wrote so that I can read it and I can rejoice in the wonders of my salvation. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now I just want to give a couple of examples of Peter. And in his, in his letter he, he mentions that we can rejoice in the prophets but then he deals with a couple of passages Okay, the first one, first one he does he in, in First Peter two he deals with the problem which was for many Jews and it still causes some problems, which is hey, 
How come the God had planned this great salvation to send the Jesus, the Christ, to the Jews and the Jews rejected them? Oh, that's a bit of a problem. There was a big problem in the early church, particularly when the large lot of the early Christians were Jews. And all of, their, all of their friends and family rejected the gospel. Only a small number of the Jews were saved. Thousands, but it was only a small number. He said, well, how come? Well, he says, as, as you come to him, Jesus, the living stone, rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious to him. For in scripture it says, see, I lay a stone in Zion. This is prophet Isaiah again. See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious, but to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the capstone and a stone that causes men to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. And so what Peter is saying is he's saying, look, we can be really confident and rejoice in the gospel, even though many of the Jewish people didn't respond. Why? Because God said it would happen. He predicted it. In fact, he said that the, that the people, the leaders of Israel, would actually reject the Messiah and put him to death. And so we see that although it looks bad that they didn't respond, it was, it was part of God's predestined, foreknown plan of salvation. And he gives a second one, and we all finish with that and this is in first peter chapter 2 verse 22 to 25 and he here he's just talking about jesus but the amazing thing is is half of what he writes he's just quoting isaiah who wrote it 700 years beforehand this is what he writes he says he that's jesus committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth that's isaiah that italic bit is isaiah 53 9 when they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. So he just explains what, hap- what the gospel said G- happened with Jesus. And then he goes and quotes Isaiah again. He said, he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree. So he's quoting Isaiah 53, 4 there. So that we might die to sin and live r- Live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. Isaiah 53, 5. For you, for you were like sheep going astray. Isaiah 53, 6. But now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. And that's incidentally a reference to Psalm 23. So all I'm saying is, is that what Peter's saying is we can take great joy and confidence in our salvation because it was predicted and prophesied. And it's a part of God's eternal plan so that as we go through the difficulties and troubles of life, we can know that we stand on solid ground. Rooted and grounded in God's plan and God's purposes and that these plans and purposes are focused in on the one in whom we as Christians have put put our faith. Jesus, who suffered and has now entered the period of time where his kingdom is growing and developing and it's a kingdom which shall never end and the glorious and wonderful thing about it is that if you've put your faith in Jesus you have a part in this great kingdom you will share 
now in the sufferings of Christ, but in the future you will share in his glory. And uh, the prophets help us to rejoice in that more fully. So that's what I'm wanting to do, very, want you to do. Very simple. There's nothing you need to do. Just know that our faith is God's eternal plan. It's not just wishful thinking. It's not just something which makes us feel good. It does make us feel good. But it is an eternal plan of God. It is true. And despite the world's, world's hostility, it remains true. And scripture says that we will suffer with Christ and be rejected just by the world just as he was. And so as we focus on that, we can have what Peter said, inexpressible and glorious joy. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that as we take our eyes off of ourselves and see our lives as meaningful but in the meaning, in, in context of your amazing, great plan of salvation. Lord, we thank you. It thrills our hearts and our souls. Lord, that you loved us but you planned from eternity to send Jesus to die on a cross to save a sinner like me. And Lord, we thank you that he is risen from the dead. And we, as we go through the joys and difficulties of this life, we know that when he returns, you will complete your great plan and we shall live and reign with him and we shall share in his glorious victory and we will be on the winning side, cheering and praising our Lord who will be cheering and praising us. Lord, we just do thank you. We praise you for your wonder, the, the wonder, wonderful nature of your great and eternal plan. Well, God bless you all. I trust that this will not just be a thought for the day, but be the theme of your life.